The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. This show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today, 1968, Episode 2, February through April. On February 16, 1968, John and Cynthia, along with George Harrison and his wife Patty, fly to the Maharishi's camp in Rishikesh, India, to begin an intensive two-and-a-half-month course in TM. From the airport, we were driven for several hours to the Maharishi's meditation training center. It was set in a beautiful spot above the forested foothills of the Himalayas, on the banks of the Ganges, and surrounded by vibrant flowers and shrubs. The centre was built to house several dozen students. Each of its low stone cottages contained five rooms. Far from the noise and pace of city life in the cool, clear air of Rishikesh, North India, Pathy News reports from the meditation retreat of Maharishi Maharishi Yogi. The man who, through transcendental meditation, is currently bringing peace of mind to the Beatles. A few days later, on February 19th... The entourage is joined by other celebs, including Mia Farrow. Also Mia's sister, Prudence Farrow, Patty Harrison's sister, Jeannie, Ringo and his wife, Maureen, Paul and his girlfriend, Jane Asher, Mal Evans, Mike Love of the Beach Boys, and later, the singer Donovan with his friend, a burly bloke called Gypsy. Donovan was having a romance with Jenny and wrote his hit song, Jennifer Juniper, for her in India. Jennifer, Juniper, rides a dapple mare. Jennifer, Juniper, lilacs in her hair. Is she dreaming? Yes, I think so. Is she pretty? Yes, ever so. Also at the camp was a young Canadian photography student named Paul Saltzman. I went to India to work on a National Film Board of Canada film. I was the sound engineer. And after filming for six weeks across uh, India and up into New Delhi, I got mail from home and I got a letter from my girlfriend and opened it excitedly. And the first line, which is all I remember, was, Dear Paul, I've moved in with Henry. And I was devastated. It was like uh, a, a terrible heartbreak, the worst I've ever experienced. Oh, wow. And somebody said, who I knew for three days in my life, he said, why don't you try meditation for the heartbreak? And I knew nothing about meditation or anything like that. And he took me to a lecture that night at New Delhi University where the Maharishi was speaking. And what the Maharishi said, the only part I remember was the part that meant a lot to me. He said that uh, meditation takes us beneath and below our daily worries and concerns to a place of inner rejuvenation from which we were turned refreshed and renewed. I remember every word he said in that. 
And that was great. I thought that's what I need. So I went to the ashram. I didn't make any arrangements ahead of time, which was in a sense foolish and in another way serendipitous. Where was the ashram? In Rishikesh, which is a, an overnight train ride from Delhi north and east into the foothills of the Himalayas. And um, got there and asked where the ashram was, discovered there's lots of ashrams, which I, I didn't know. I didn't know much about that area. And found it just by asking different people and got to the front gate. And uh, somebody came who spoke English, and I said, I've come to learn meditation. And he said, I'm sorry, the ashram's closed because the Beatles and their wives are here. <laughs> so that's when I found out they were there. And that wasn't good news. That was really bad news. Well, I said, I right away said, you have to teach me, and told him why. And he said uh, he would ask the Maharishi, and he came back and said, I'm sorry, the Maharishi says not at the present time. And I just said, can I wait? And uh, he was very nice about it, and I waited. I slept in a tent outside the gate for eight days, waiting to get in, not to meet the Beatles. Again, that was bad news. I was outside feeling a lot of emotional pain, and I didn't know what else to do. I was mm. desperate for something. Mm. And after eight days, he said, okay, come on in. He taught me meditation, which mm. took five minutes. And he said, you're now welcome to spend your days in the ashram and eat with us. There's no extra bed, so you'll still have to sleep in the tent. I thought, great. Mm. And he left me on my own, and I meditated for half an hour, and it was a miracle. Cynthia Lennon. John and I had a room with a four-poster bed, a dressing table, a couple of chairs and an electric fire. Close by were the Maharishi's house, a swimming pool, a laundry, a post office, and a lecture theatre where we would be expected to gather for regular talks from our leader. It was very much like a kind of summer camp. Paul McCartney. You would get up in the morning, you would go down to a little communal breakfast. Cynthia Lennon remembers. Some of the centre's food was surprisingly ordinary. For breakfast, which was taken at long trestle tables out in the open, and often shared with brazen monkeys, we had cornflakes, toast and coffee. Now you can sing, look at the pond, fathom the infinity, dive in the Ganges, fathom the Food was veggie, so it was, it was all right, though. It was sort of curries and stuff, you know. Ringo took a large consignment of baked beans with him. Heinz beans. All the way up the Himalayas with a big suitcase of beans, of beans and a suitcase of clothes. When we sat in the mountains eating lousy vegetarian food and writing all those songs, you know, wrote tons of songs in India. So tired, I haven't slept a wing. Sleep. 
show each one of your charms. I wonder, should I get a go to the funny farm? No, no, no. And you'd say, I'm putting you on, but it's no joke. It's doing me harm, you know I can't sleep. I can't stop my brain, you know it's three weeks. I'm going insane. Written in the hills of Himalayas. That's one thing transcendental meditation does for you. It's make you so tired. You know, you just sort of sit there and you let your mind go, whatever it's going, doesn't matter what you're thinking about, just let it go. And then you just introduce the, the mantra or the, the vibration just to take over from a thought. You don't will it or use your willpower. Uh, fu- not what's the word funny 
ironic or something that I was writing in supposedly in with the, in the presence of guru and meditating so many hours a day I was writing songs of such pain as your blues which I meant it wasn't just me right you know I was trying to express it in the blues idiom but as I was writing Maharishi's camp writing I, I want to die you know Here's Paul McCartney. I wrote a couple of little things. Donovan was there. That reminds me. Donovan. Yellow is the color of my true love's here in the morning when we rise in the morning when we rise that's the time, that's the time I love the best Blue's the color of the sky in the morning When we rise in the morning When we rise, that's the time, that's the time I love the best Green's the color of the sparkling corn in the morning When we rise in the morning When we rise That's the time That's the time I love the best Mellow is the feeling that I get when I see her I see her, uh-huh, that's the time, that's the time, I love the best. Without thinking mm -hmm. Without thinking mm -hmm. Of the time Of the time When I've been low Rival, his rival, it seems, had broken his dreams 
by stealing the girl of his fancy. Her name was McGill, she called herself Lil, and everyone knew her as Nancy. She and a man who called himself Dan were in the next room at the hoedown. Rocky burst in and grinning a grin. Said Danny boy, this is a showdown. Now Danny was hot, he threw first and shot, and Rocky collapsed in the corner. <laughs> Checked into his room Only to find Gideon's Bible Gideon checked out And left him no doubt To help with good Rocky's revival <laughs> I had a song called I Will. I Will. I Will, you know, I love you, that one. Yeah. And Obladi Oblada. In a couple of years, they have built a home sweet home. With a couple of kids running in the yard, Desmond and Molly Jones. Surprising things to write out there. I remember, remember going down to. We're going down to a film show in the village. Did you write anything, George? Obviously not. Did you write anything, George? I wrote a number of songs Did which you? I've never recorded to this day. I wrote one called Derodoon. Why don't you play it for us, George? Uh, I don't know if I know. Derodoon. Derodoon.
One direction takes you years, another takes you Rishikesh is an incredible place. Um, it's like 99% of the population of Rishikesh are all renunciates. And it's right in the foothills of the Himalayas. It's where the Ganges flows out of the Himalayas into the plains of Kurukshetra. It's called the plains between Delhi and the Himalayas. Sixties musician Donovan studied the teachings of meditation along with the Beatles. He became friends with them and shared musical ideas which would be later reflected in both their work. Here's Donovan. George Harrison and I found a brotherhood very early. You can hear it in the songs. I wrote this song in India when I was there with four Beatles. And so when we were sitting around, I came up with this tune, Hurdy Gurdy Man. Then when the hurdy-gurdy man came singing songs 
was beautiful and tonight I will premiere the long-lost verse of George in this song when truth gets buried deep beneath a thousand years asleep time demands a turn around and once again the truth is found yeah George it's pretty exciting you know we're in this really a spiritual place and uh, we were meditating a lot uh, having seminars by Maharishi it's, it's pretty far out everything it was like a sort of 
recluse holiday camp in a ride at the foot of the Himalayas. It was like being up a mountain, but they call it the foothills, hanging over the Ganges with uh, baboons stealing your breakfast and everybody flowing around in robes and sitting in their rooms for hours and hours meditating. It was quite a trip. You know? I was in a room for five days meditating. That was quite a trip. I wrote hundreds of songs. Couldn't sleep and that's was hallucinating like crazy. Songs, Having dreams where you could yeah. smell. Uh, now I'd do a few hours and then you'd trip off, you know. Uh, or half or whatever you're supposed to be doing, you know, three or four hour stretches and you'd really trip out. And it was just like a, a way of getting there. And you'd go, amazing trips. On the road to Rishikesh I was dreaming more or less And the dream I had was true Yes, the dream I had was true I'm just a child of nature I don't need much to set me free I'm just a child of nature I'm one of nature's children Sunlight shining in my eyes As I face the desert skies my thoughts return to home Yes, my thoughts return to home I'm just a child of nature I don't need much to set me free I'm just a child of nature One of nature's children Underneath the mountain ranges Where the wind that never changes Touch the windows of my soul Touch the windows of my Just a child of nature I don't need much to set me free I'm just a child of nature I'm one of nature's children Ringo Starr Mia Farrow's sister, well, she sort of hibernated meditated and hibernated. <laughs> we saw her, I think, twice in the two weeks I was there. Everyone would be banging on the door, you're still alive!
went slightly balmy, meditating too long and couldn't come out of, a, of the little hut that we were living in. They selected me and George to try and bring her out because she would trust us. She'd gone completely mental. If she'd been in the West, they would have put her away. Well, we got her out of the house. She'd been locked in three weeks and wouldn't come out, trying to reach God quicker than anybody else. You know, that was the competition in Maharishi's camp. Who's going to get cosmic first? What I didn't know was I was already cosmic <laughs> conscious. I was already cosmic conscious. There's a lot of things uh, that was actually stuff the Maharishi had said. George Harrison. Like that song, come on, come on, you know, come on, it's such a joy. Whatever that song, everybody got something to hide except for me and my monkey. <clears throat> well, was, apart from the bit about the monkey, that was just what Maharishi used to always say, you know. Come on, come on, come on, it's such a joy. Come on, it's such a joy. Come on, take it easy. Come on, take it easy. Take it easy. Here's the Maharishi. Till now, in India and throughout the world, the understanding has been that material life and spiritual life are not compatible. This is throughout the world. Moved with this idea, people take, they become monks and take to recluse life. But I bring out a, a simple argument that because inner being is bliss and because outer mind is always in search of happiness, Therefore, meeting me to, un to understand the experiences of meditation and then lunch and then meeting me again afternoon and then meeting me in the night after their evening meditation. So the whole thing will be uh, consolidating their own experience and understanding about the experiences. You are explaining them to themselves to some extent. Yeah, that's it. Well, they experience something and then I just give an expression to what they have experienced and it's allied uh, connections with uh, the practical field of life in different ways. This is what will make a teacher, a very profound teacher, then he will speak from the basis of his own experience. Paul McCartney. Somehow, in the honor of the a helicopter came. It landed down by the Ganges. This was on the banks of the Ganges in Rishikesh. And it was like, one of, this, one of you can go up for a quick ride with Maharishi. Who's it going to be? Me, sir, me, sir, sir, sir. And because it was John. So it got to be him. And I was saying, why, later, I was saying, why were you so keen, like, to get up with Maharishi? He said, tell you the truth. He said, I thought you might slip me the answer. <laughs> it's very John. All you need to do is to say this little word.
guess that's all you gotta do. Cynthia Lennon. John was becoming increasingly cold and aloof toward me. He would get up early and leave our room. He spoke to me very little, and after a week or two he announced that he wanted to move into a separate room to give himself more space. From then on, he virtually ignored me, both in private and in public. If the others noticed, they didn't say so. I did my best to understand, begging him to explain what was wrong. He fobbed me off, telling me it was just the effect of the meditation. I can't feel normal doing all this stuff, he said. I'm trying to get myself together. It's nothing to do with you. Give me a break. What I didn't know was that each morning he rushed down to the post office to see if he had a letter from Yoko. She was writing to him almost daily. When I learned this later, I felt very hurt. There was I, trying to give John the space and understanding he asked for, with no idea that Yoko was drawing him away from me and further into her orbit. Ringo was soon tired of eggs and beans, and Maureen had a phobia about flies, which were inescapable in India. Less than two weeks after their arrival, Ringo Starr and his wife Maureen packed up and left Rishikesh on Friday, March 1st. Ringo and Maureen weren't happy. They missed their children. Ringo only stays ten days. That Maharishi's a nice man, Ringo said but he's not for me. On the day Ringo left, in the afternoon, Mal, Maureen, Ringo had gathered with Paul Salsman to load out their gear into the taxis that Mal Evans had arranged. According to Paul Salsman's book, The Beatles in Rishikesh, Maureen said she was missing her children. Ringo teased her about the bugs that she hated. George Harrison didn't like flies and spiders. No, can't stand them. And Mal teased Ringo about the food. I can only eat bland food because I was very sick as a child. And uh, so I'd have me beans, and then I was getting fed up with that. And so the, I said, look at the eggs. Look <laughs> 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 eggs in the morning, you know. And so I caught these guys burying the shells in the ground as if God wouldn't notice. <laughs> so I decided to leave after that. <laughs> oh, no, he doesn't see those. They began their six-hour drive south to New Delhi. Their tiny convoy dropped from the heavily wooded foothills of the Himalayas through towns with wonderful names like Muzaffanagra and Madinagra, and out into the plains leading into New Delhi. After a couple of hours driving through lush fields worked by turbaned farmers with hand hose, they pulled into a gas station to fill up. They piled out of the cars and bought soft drinks chocolate bars, and potato chips from an old Sikh with a wonderful long gray beard and a bright cherry red turban tied loosely around his head, country style. He stood in his small, solitary stall by the side of the road, and above his head, a rough-hewn, canary-yellow, hand-painted signboard proclaimed, Fanta. Mal handed an orange drink through the car window to Maureen and joined Ringo and Paul Salsman on a bench. They talked for a while, finishing their sodas. The sun was setting, exchanging warm goodbyes, Paul shook hands with Ringo and Mal, then said goodbye to Maureen. Hours later, they entered the city. On the 9th of March, while John, George, and Paul were in India, the Beatles won four Grammy Awards for their 1967 LP, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. It won Album of the Year, Best Contemporary Album, Best Album Cover, and Jeff Emmerich won Best Engineered Recording. Ringo, who just arrived back from India, was on hand to accept the award along with Jeff Emmerich and George Martin. And on March 15th, Beatles released their 17th single, Lady Madonna Backed with Inner Light. 
It's the first time a George Harrison song is to be featured on a Beatles single, and it was their last release on the EMI Parlophone label. Lady Madonna, written by Paul, shows a, a departure from the artsy, psychedelic music of the past two years. It's a great Beatles single featuring a powerful brass section led by well-known British jazzman and club owner Ronnie Scott. There are some fine Beatle vocal harmonies and a fantastic Fats Domino Elvis Presley lead vocal by Paul. March 15th and the U.S. March 18th. Lady Madonna was the group's first release of 1968, putting the soul back in Beatles singles. The McCartney composition was pure boogie with Paul dipping into his rockin' past and coming up with a fistful of Fats Domino. The fat man later returned the compliment with his version.
The B-side written by George Harrison is really a beautiful melody with words from a book called Lamps of Fire, sent to George by a Sanskrit teacher at Cambridge University who had heard Within You Without You. The song was especially written for him. The instruments are all Indian and performed and recorded in the HMV Studios Bombay during the Wonderwall soundtrack sessions. The famous Ashish Khan plays Sarod. It's the haunting stringed instrument you hear all the way through the piece. George says the song is about the first impressions of transcendental meditation and that it captures the essence of its teaching. Maharishi's camp on March 15th, Mike Love of the Beach Boys celebrated his 27th birthday. John Lennon and Paul McCartney sang in celebration. Happy birthday to you, 
On Tuesday, March 26th, Paul, Jane Asher, and Neil Aspinall left Rishikesh, having spent more than a month studying meditation with the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, while John and George and their wives decide to stay in India. On their arrival back in London, Paul and Jane were interviewed by Richard Whitmore. Bye-bye, Blackbird. Well, uh, you look very happy. Do you feel better after five weeks of meditation? Yes, yes. I feel a lot better, except for the flight. You know, that's quite long, so I'm a bit shattered. But the meditation is great. What exactly have you been doing? How do you meditate? You sit down, you relax, and then you repeat a sound to yourself. And it sounds daft, but it's just a system of relaxation. And that's all it is, you know, there's nothing more to it. So that we meditated for about five hours a day in all, you know, sort of two hours in the morning and maybe three hours in the evening. And then the rest of the time we slept, ate, sunbathed, and had fun, you know. Uh, with the extreme poverty that exists in India, presumably you saw some of this. Yes, oh yeah. Uh, I don't equate it, you know because it's nothing, to, it's nothing to do with it, you know. His idea is to stop the poverty at its root. See, if you just give handouts to people, uh, it'll stop the problem for a day or a week, you know. But in India, there's so many people, you'd, you'd really need all of America's money poured into India to solve it, you know. So the only answer is, and, and then, you know, they'd probably just go back the next year and just lie around, you know. So you've got to get at the cause of it and persuade all the Indians to start working and start, you know, start doing things. Because their religion is very uh, fatalistic. And they, sit, they just sort of sit down and think, well, you know, uh, God said, you know, this is it. So it's too bad, we can't do anything about it. And Maharishi's trying to persuade them that they can do something about it. 
One Indian MP accused this uh, place of being an espionage centre. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you, in fact, of being a spy for yeah. the West. What, well, don't uh, what tell anyone. It's true. <laughs> it is. We're it? spies, yeah. yes. The four of us have been spies. Actually, I'm a reporter. <laughs> and I joined the Beatles for that very reason. But uh, the story's out next week in the <laughs> paper, which will be nameless. Jane, did you go for a holiday or did you go to meditate as well? Oh, to meditate, yes. And uh, what effect has it had on you? This presumably is your first big meditation. Mm. It, uh, I think it calms you down. It's hard to tell because it was so different, life out there. It'll be easier to tell now that I'm back and we're doing sort of ordinary things to see just what it does. Meanwhile, back at Rishikesh, India, while Lady Madonna was hitting the airwaves... Cynthia Lennon. A couple of weeks before we were due to leave, Magic Alex accused the Maharishi of behaving improperly with a young American girl who was a fellow student, without allowing the Maharishi an opportunity to defend himself. John and George chose to believe Alex and decided we must all leave. I was upset. I had seen Alex with the girl, who was young and impressionable, and I wondered whether he, whom I had never once seen meditating, was being rather mischievous. I was surprised that John and George had both chosen to believe him. Now it can be told, fab <laughs> listeners. There was a big hullabaloo about him raping Mia Farrow and trying to get off with Mia Farrow and a few other women and things like that. And we went down to him and we'd stayed up all night discussing was it true or not true, you know. And when George started thinking it might be true, I thought, well, it must be true, because if George is doubting it, there must be something in it. So we went to see Maharaj. The whole gang was the next day charged down to his hut, you know, his bungalow, his very rich-looking bungalow in the, in the mountains. Once again, Cynthia Lennon. It was only when John and I talked later that he told me he had begun to feel disenchanted with the Maharishi's behavior. He felt that, for a spiritual man... The Maharishi had too much interest in public recognition, celebrities, and money. And uh, I, I was the spokesman. As usual, when the dirty work came, I actually had to be leader, whatever the scene was. When it came to the nitty-gritty, I had to do the speaking. And I said, uh, we're leaving. Why? <laughs> you know, all that. And uh, I said, well, if you're so cosmic, you'll know why. He said, I don't know why. You must tell me. And I just kept saying... And he gave me a look like, oh, I'll kill you bastard. He gave me such a look. And I knew then when he looked at me, you know, because I'd called his bluff. And if you, if you know, you know all, you know, cosmic conscious. That's what we're all here for. And I was a bit rough to him, you know. You're expecting too much of him. I always do, you know. Mm-hmm. I always expect too much. I always expect him a mother and yeah. don't get her. That's what it is, you know. By dawn the next morning, 
Alex had organised taxis from the nearby village, and we left on the journey back to Delhi. Sexy Sadie, what have you done? You made a fool of everyone. You made a fool of everyone. Sexy Sadie, oh, have you done? Sexy Sadie. to be packed in the taxi that never seemed to come, we thought. They're deliberately keeping the taxi back so that we can't escape from this madman's camp. <laughs> we had a mad Greek with us that was paranoid as hell, kept saying, it's black magic, it's black magic, they're going to keep you here forever. So that was what I was doing while that was going on. The journey home was long and grim. John was paranoid, afraid that the Maharishi would take his revenge on us in some way. Our taxi, a battered old saloon car, broke down on the way to the airport. The driver assured us he was going for help and left John and me standing at the roadside. John's solution was to thumb a lift from the next car that came along. Fortunately, the driver and his friend recognised him and, with great sweetness, got us to the Delhi Hotel where the others were waiting anxiously. We had planned to spend a night in Delhi, but the hotel was full and Alex had discovered that if we hurried, we could make the night flight to London. I hated the rush, which seemed unnecessary. But with the others setting the pace, we hit the road and just made the flight. John and George arrived home from India on April 12th, somewhat disillusioned with the Maharishi. John is asked when he returns if the Maharishi is on the level. I don't know what level he's on, but uh, he's on the we level. had a nice holiday in India and came back rested to play businessman. Back at Kenwood, John continued to be distant toward me. Now that we were away from the others and the charms of India, 
I felt increasingly afraid and depressed. John and I were back in the same bed, but the warmth and passion we had shared for so long were absent. John seemed barely to notice me. He was little better with Julian, and was more likely to snap at him than give him a hug. There was just one moment of real warmth between us, and that was, ironically, when John confessed to me that he had been unfaithful. 28-year-old Lennon made a confession to Cynthia. We were in the kitchen when he said out of the blue, There have been other women, you know, Sin. There were several celebrity women in London who he had been with, and um, there were, he claimed, over 300 groupies that he had had sex with. I was taken aback, but touched by his honesty. That's okay, I told him. The time with the Maharishi was all about cleansing and purging and, you know, tell the truth even if it hurts and, you know, I, d I just, I don't know how smart that was, but uh, it just, it absolutely broke Cynthia's heart. He came over to where I was standing beside the sink and put his arms round me. You're the only one I've ever loved, Sin, he said, and kissed me. I still love you, and I always will. A couple of weeks later, John suggested that I join Magic Alex, Jenny, Donovan and Gypsy on a two-week holiday in Greece. I told him I didn't want to go without him. Apart from those rare occasions when I had taken Mum and Julian away because he was working, we had never spent holidays apart. I've got a lot on at the moment and I can't go, but you should. It might cheer you up, he said. I was uncertain, but he persisted, and in the end I decided to go. To escape the pain, Cynthia took off for Greece. John was busy writing songs for the Beatles' new album. Cheered by the hope that John might miss me, and the prospect of a change, I left for Greece. John was lying on our bed when I left. He was in the almost trance-like state I'd seen many times before, and barely turned his head to say goodbye. Preacher preaching at me Acting like he wrote the golden rule Shaking his fist and speeching at me Shouting from his soapbox like a fool Come Sunday morning he's lying in bed With his eyes all red from the wine in his head Wishing he was dead But he ought to be heading for a Sunday school Clean up your home backyard Oh, don't you hand me none of your line Clean up your home backyard You can do your business, I'll attend to mine Clean up, mister Drugstore cowboy criticizing Acting like he's better than you and me Sidewalk supervising Telling everybody how they ought to be Come closing time most every night He locks up tight and knocks over the lights And he ducks out of sight And he cheats on his wife with his employees Clean up your home backyard
wheelchair quarterbacks always moaning Second guessing people all day long Pushing, pulling and hanging on Always messing where they don't belong When you get right down to the nitty gritty Another one, a little bitty man, let me could have been a little bit wrong. Bring up your own backyard. Trouble with Girls was the film Elvis was shooting at that time. The trouble with ex-wives and wives-to-be was affecting the private lives of Lennon and McCartney. After numerous ups and downs with Jane Asher, Paul appeared to have meditated on a much-announced plan to marry. And during a promotional trip to New York, he became fast and friendly with Linda Eastman, fledgling photographer. Meanwhile, John and Cynthia Lennon's marriage moved into its final months. Once again, Cynthia Lennon. Surprisingly, given my worries about the future of my marriage, it was a lovely holiday. Two weeks of Greek sun, sea, ouzo, tavernas, and the laughter and companionship of the others raised my spirits. Despite my mistrust of Alex over the Maharishi episode, in Greece I put aside my doubts as he interpreted, smoothed the way, and behaved in every way like a good friend. By the time we were due to head home, I felt so much better. I had missed John badly and had convinced myself that we could make a fresh start. I was full of energy and plans for our future. John was now spending time and talent with Yoko Ono Cox, an avant-garde artiste of the underground fame. In May 1968, with his wife Cynthia and Yoko's husband Tony out of the country, John and Yoko become lovers. information or to contact the show visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com also visit at yesterdaypod on twitter and search yesterday and today podcast on facebook see you next time Hey everyone, Paul and James here to tell you about one of the best music podcasts online today. It's called Take It Away, the complete Paul McCartney archive podcast. Yeah, as longtime listeners of our show know, Take It Away and its hosts, Ryan Brady and Chris Mercer, are the authority on all things Paul McCartney, Wings, and the Beatles. Their five-star rated podcast walks you through every single Paul McCartney release from 1970 to present day. That's every song on every album, including singles, b-sides, bootlegs, and you will 
will most likely hear songs you've never heard before, which is part of the fun of the show. You'll also hear old favorites from new perspectives, all lovingly placed in the context of McCartney's career and the musical sounds of their era. Yeah, and don't miss the amazing interview with Denny Lane, co-founder of Wings and McCartney songwriting collaborator as well as a slew of other special guest appearances that give some really cool insight into the music that spans the last 50 years. So if you're a McCartney fan, you've found your new favorite show, because I know I have. Seriously, I never miss an episode, and neither should you. That's Take It Away, the complete Paul McCartney Archive podcast, available for download now wherever you find podcasts. Check it out now! I'm Paul Kaminsky. And I'm James Kaminsky. And we are the co-hosts of the Third Men Podcast. We are a Jack White history podcast where we go over the White Stripes, Third Man Records, the list goes on. And occasionally, we do a funny voice or two. So you're going to probably want to get used to that. Or turn it off. Whatever your preference. Or whatever turns you on. (laughs) Hey now, you're an all-star, because occasionally... We'll do an all-star We did do an entire Smash Mouth episode once. That is true. (laughs) We are every other week on Wednesdays, and we are available on iTunes and really wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so why don't you come on and find yourself a little home here with us? We promise we'll be weird roommates. If I want to do the dishes without my pants on, that's my deal. That was weird. See? We weren't (laughs) even lying. 